This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. I'm Will Dale from foxsports.com.au hosting today. Uh, joining me today is Lewis Isaacs, freelance motorsport journalist. G'day, Will. And on the line is our favourite supercars driver, of course, from Erebus Motorsport, David Rennett. Favourite? Yeah, whatever. Well, that's what we tell you because <laughs> oh, you're here. Oh, thanks Yeah. Anytime, Dave. Oh, anytime. I've got an opinion and it's always probably wrong and people give me shit about it. So. <laughs> and everyone else is too smart to do this. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. They go, oh, it's hurting my brand. It's my brand. <laughs> Speaking of people who are smart enough not to do this, we'll be joined later on by AJ Hawkins, motorsport producer from Fox Sports, and Garth Tand of, of Gary Rogers Motorsport. Well, gentlemen, we had a race over the weekend out at Sydney Motorsport Park. And yeah, we had two of them. Yes, yes, we did. And we had one on Saturday, one on Sunday. <laughs> gee, they were entertaining, weren't they? Oh, yeah, to say the least. I'm not, I don't really know. I don't Like on the Sunday, everyone said all they did was cover the top couple people. So I had, really, I had actually an amazing race that no one saw it. <laughs> I saw it, Dave. Don't worry, mate. Oh, did you? That's all I care about, as long as you saw it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually took the um, the opportunity to go watch it as a fan and um, sat above the the pit lane building at Sydney Motorsport Park and sat in front of the screens as well. So we actually got to compare what the coverage is like to how the race played out. And yeah, Dave, watching you go from essentially dead last to ninth place, I think it was that was um, something people at track got to got to follow. But I actually thought they were really good races. Um, there was certainly a lot more to it than played out in the coverage and. That dynamic with the tyres as well at the moment, that seemed to, um, you know, reappear at an interesting time of the season, given, you know, the injuries are coming up. So, you know, bad news... I was going to say bad news for you, but it actually made it a, a pretty entertaining race. Well, yeah, that was our very first tyre that we blew all year. Oh, oh really? soft tyre. And yeah, you did one ever. not long after. Uh, no, Dale did one, I did one. Yeah. But mine was, mine was purely my fault, I think. I dropped it on the edge of... Um, I ran off at turn one and I think it popped off the beat or something or blew it on doing that. So it was actually not set up the way did. Well, it's good to hear. Is, uh, yeah. Yeah. How how did you how did you manage the comeback drive? Because yeah, I looked at the results at the end of the the end of the race and saw you in the top ten and I thought, gee. I just gee. magically appeared in ninth, <laughs> being blue flagged to get lapped. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, I suppose strategy has got us there because after I blew a tire. I had to come in and get another set of set of tyres, and they filled me up quite a bit then. And my job was just to stay in front of the leaders, which I did. And then there was a safety car, thanks to old Dale Wood, my teammate, which wasn't planned, but you know I'll probably own a case of beer or something because that sort of played in my hands really well. Because then we come in, got a lot of fuel, um, we basically just fueled ourselves back to the back person, and then just drove around the back, had no pace, and then on my last stop was a really short fuel and had good tyres and my car came alive and had a good pace and I think we popped out 13th or something oh, 13th or 14th and I got to 9th so yeah it's a pretty good race yeah, well, for me I, anyway for yourself mate I know um, you know Townsville and QR it seemed like you guys had kind of dropped off a little bit on the race pace there after improving qualifying so has there been a bit of a, a shift there to kind of uh, reverse that well yeah we just need to we identified that at the start of the year we had qualifying issues so we did things to try and get that faster but that also in turn hurt our race pace so 
you know, it's just a fine balance of what you do for qualifying and what you do for the race. So, um, you know, we're still learning. It's a new tyre for us, or a new tyre for the whole category. And, yeah, we're still learning heaps, man. So that was the first time that weekend that we've never actually introduced new parts. It was just a more of a tuning sort of session, even though practice was for us and for everyone because uh, the wind was really bad and the car was handling really funny, funnily, not like very, very out of characteristic for that track. And, um, yeah, so that made it very difficult to tune on the Friday. But on the Saturday, Sunday, it wasn't too bad. We, we got some stuff done that we thought we needed to do. Tell us what it's like to actually steer the car, because what was it, like 100k an hour gusting headwinds down the front straight? Like, it was it was a bit, yeah, to be perfectly honest, it was a bit chilly in the paddocks, but I can't imagine it was great for you guys out there. Yeah, it was freezing. But uh, for, <laughs> for us, like, um, turn one felt like you were going in so, so deep because you're going 20k's an hour slower. <laughs> <laughs> but then, funnily enough, when you're going away from the wind, your car accelerates a lot faster. And it was like if you'd try to drive away from from the wind, so uh, out so of turn three, five, out of turn eight, it'd feel like the wind would start picking up the car and make it oversteer more. So things you really can't tune for, something like that. So, um, yeah, it was just made a really, really interesting day. And we didn't need, we didn't run our handback tyres on this Friday afternoon because we thought, what's the point? I, was, I did wonder about that because I walked past the Dunlop enclosure and saw that there were a few brand-new sets lurking around there. I guess that makes... A lot of sense. Yeah, most people probably had the same sort of common sense we did. Yeah. There's no point. You're not going to learn much. So save for the next time. Roll out uh, uh, Sandown or or Gold Coast. We'll probably use them. Cool, cool. Well, boys, might get your highlights from the weekend. Lewis, I'll start with you. Plenty of action to choose from. Yeah, there was uh, a lot happening in that race weekend. As we said, um, I thought things like Nissan's turnaround for Caruso in particular was something that was uh, quite good. But then you saw Rick blow a tyre so it's, mm. you know it's two steps forward one step back for that team sometimes but I do want to give a um, a particular mention to Scott Pye and the Walkinshaw guys um, Saturday's race was an excellent result for them given how the season's turned around and Sunday it looked like mm. they were going to go yeah, what did he end up fifth fifth or something on fifth Sunday? on Saturday um, but Sunday yeah. he was right up there he was he's fastest in the well not fastest sorry but he was, he was quite quick in the, the opening two stints it's just that final one that seemed to let them down um, so I think it's worth giving them you know, props, but conversely, James Courtney was, was nowhere again, so you wonder, you know, whether they've actually figured out what's going on there or not. But, you know, credit's where it's, where it's due. That was, um, you know, a, a top result for them. Indeed, yeah. definite progress. Uh, Dave, what about for yourself? Pro- did you say F for progress? Definite progress. Oh, Ryan, if you're listening, definite progress. Definite progress. <laughs> no, I'm deaf, sorry. I've been race cars my whole life. All good, all good. What about yourself, well, Dave? Some of my highlights? Um, well, to be honest... In, in our own race, you know, the, the safety car restarts, they're always kind of ones to laugh at or frown at or smile at either way you look at it. Well, but, you, um, had, you had the, like, prime seat for Saturday's action. Oh, yeah, I was the meat and the sandwich on Saturday. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no. Because uh, I was third on road and then um, uh, McLaughlin and, and Shane had their crash and then I crashed into the back of McLaughlin then wing cup crash into the back of me. <laughs> And my car was absolutely cactus, like I had no front error or rear error, so it was making it really, really hard to drive. And surprisingly, I somehow finished eighth, luckily enough. But funny, like, Wind Cup did a really good job, I reckon, because his car was manky, like, just absolutely manky. Mm. I couldn't, like, 
this, this bonnet was so far pushed back into his windscreen that I couldn't even see him in there when I looked <laughs> at my rearview mirror. I'm like, how is he steering this thing? I'm pretty sure he's going to go to pit lane, but he ended up passing me. <laughs> <laughs> Smoke pouring off the tyres and stuff, mate. It was hilarious. Oh, I was having a good old laugh. But yeah, about that restart stuff. Um, there was probably a few things that sort of happened that probably shouldn't have happened. Like, arguably, did we really need the safety car? All that debris was kind of off racing line and we drove past it for a couple of laps and then they decided to call the safety car so you know it was kind of a very very late call that probably we didn't need and then they released the safety car when we're turning into turn nine and usually they do it on the exit of turn eight so that gives the safety car a whole another i don't know couple hundred meters to get back to pit lane so that when we do go into the front straight there's none of that overlapping scenario happen Mm. but uh, Shane stuffed up and there was no green flag and he just overlapped straight away. So, um, yeah, that's kind of silly on his behalf. But if, as a category, we should probably get together and scrap that whole ruling, that overlap rule, because it just creates so many crashes and dramas and, you know, it's it's it really it's kind of a shit rule, well, does I it- think, anyway, but... Does it remind you of the old um, acceleration zone kind of confusion we used to have a couple of years ago where it seems, you know, they wanted to encourage people to race off the, the restart, but it seems to just encourage um, a bit of madness. Well, it just encourages madness because <clears throat> if they keep allowing that, people, you're just going to turn onto the front straight on the white line and the cars are going to fan out, you know, side by side like that and go four or five wide down the front straight, which is kind of stupid. It looks really, really... It looks weird when you're in the car and it doesn't make any sense. And because you're... Like, if you're if you're leading the race, you're at a disadvantage because the guy in second can just pull up beside you and he's, he's past you, basically. It says there's no passing to the control line, but I, I say that overlapping is passing. No, indeed. Like, yeah. like if, you, if you're up alongside the other car, you're, you're obviously passing. trying to pass it, yeah. <laughs> You know, it's a, that's a verb. You're doing, you're passing, you're beside him. Hmm. So is there a simple Which solution? I, well, just, just scrap the, um, the, that, that rule and then it should be fine. And then, you, you know, you must aim single file to the control line and then you're free to pass. Once it overlaps the form of pass, and if you overlap, you're done. Come through pit lane, my friend. Do not pass, go, do not collect $200. <laughs> Uh, just for just for clarity, control line being the start finish line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah always, I stuff that up sometimes too. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so yeah, that is, if 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 there was no overlapping, well then probably Shane and Scott wouldn't have crashed into each other, and my car wouldn't have been damaged front and rear, and we could have finished easily in the top five. Well, I guess the other. Sorry, my ass was bent up. My face is all bent up. <laughs> the boys had to fix it. Just a rough Saturday night. Just a yeah. Typical in Western Saturday Sydney, night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How late was that repair job for your guys, by the way? Uh, to be honest, no. Our, our crew smashed it. They were done like at ten o'clock that night. They killed it. That was the first time my car's been badly damaged since I joined the team. Yeah, I was going to say you're not really renowned for for smashing panels there. No. No, I paid for racing growing up, so I know how much shit cost. Yep, understandable. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, my other highlight probably would have been the div, uh, 
what do you call it? Super 2 race. I was going to call it Dunlop Series. It's still Dunlop Series? Dunlop, Dunlop Super, Super 2. two. Yeah. So whatever. DDS <laughs> will call it. Fujitsu Series. <laughs> the Conical Lights. <laughs> Conical, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they had some cracking races, I thought. That's what I was going to say. My highlight from the weekend was Stanaway's one. Stanaway's move on Di Pasquale into turn one on the start of the final race, where he's basically got two wheels on the grass inside the yellow line to get past him, and they're three wide to start with. That was like seriously, seriously bright. I was making myself a coffee at the time, and I was disappointed. (laughs) Sorry, I think I think disappointed in the coffee or disappointed that you missed it. Both. Oh. No, I'm really disappointed I missed it because that's what, something I wanted to see. Yeah. But yeah, they had cracking races. Mm. Four races, three sets of tyres, um, a few different strategies obviously played out with all the tyres and who managed what and what tyres they used at what times. And Yeah, but it made for entertaining races. I thought different winners and it was fantastic. I thought they were pretty well behaved too given how um, you know Super 2 races have gone in the past. There was a lot of clean mm. racing. But I think yeah. the, the addition of Stanaway there in particular kind of it highlighted something because, you know, this year everyone's spoken about the depth of uh, talent in that field and how competitive it is. But for a guy like that to rock up in his first, you know, race weekend in that category and actually win, it, it kind of speaks volumes of him. And it also, it elevated the category, I think, too. You know, all of a sudden these young guys had someone else, you know, to aim for. You know, PD's been that benchmark for a long time. But Stanaway, you know, and he's... sent on one a race. Yeah, Stanaway won a race. Yeah. Before we end up second one race. It was. It, um, it really lifted it again. I thought. Back. It was, I loved it. Well, Richie's a class international driver. He's a guy who has solid chops. He's a GP two race winner. He's a top driver for Aston Martin and sports cars. Had had the cards fallen another way, he might have. He might be an F one by now. And the thing is, supercars is it takes a long time to adapt to him. You know, he did the enduros last year, but to be winning so quickly in Super Two, um, yeah, it, it shows something else there. And uh, PRA have got you know a, a welcome problem, I guess. You know, given that he wants a seat, and they might not have one. Well, indeed, as we heard a couple of days ago, they have confirmed Cameron Waters in that team, in the number six car for, to quote the press release, the rest of the decade. So... The rest of the decade. The rest of the decade. Count them out. (laughs) (laughs) The old multi-year deal. (laughs) My favourite. No, that's, that's good for Cam. He's um, DJR one and just not told anyone what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it is good news for Cam because he's stepped up quite a bit this year. Last year he um, still had a few rough edges, despite the fact he'd you know done two enduro campaigns and had been in the Dunlop series since he was you know still in high school essentially. So that's that's a welcome um, reward, and I guess you know it's up to him now to kind of make that next step, next step, and you know start getting some regular podiums and perhaps wins. Mm-hmm. He has the most of it. He hasn't they're been on the podium yet. He has not, no. Because um, Moss is still very, very fast in that car. Mm. And Mark, I think he qualified second on the Sunday. Second or third? Uh, second. Yeah, yeah second and he got off the line and got to turn one first. And then, yeah, that's right, he led the race, so they've still got a lot of pace in that car. Mm. And I think, tellingly for Stanaway, someone like Brighty actually had a, um, a strong weekend. You know, he was eighth on um, Sunday. So, you know, he actually, yeah. he's starting to come good at the right time too, which is... You know, again, that welcome problem for PRA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I guess the other good thing with having the, all the smart thing, really, from PRA from the weekend, putting Stanaway in for a Dunlop Series round, is that he's just had an entire weekend on the tyre they're going to use at Bathurst. 
in roughly the same sort of car that they're going to use at Bathurst. Yes, correct. Well, do you think that's, that's pretty, going to be... Pretty be, smart play. Do you mm-hmm. think that's going to be an advantage for teams like ProDrive and BJR and, and GRM who actually done a lot of recent running on that tyre? Absolutely, yeah. The tyre is slightly different than than this year, so you know, you've know got to run on it when you can and make the most of it. But I think the teams, um, most of the other teams, all the you know higher-end teams, have already they know that tire back to front, so it shouldn't be. It's not really a massive advantage for them. It's more, you know, giving you know I suppose Richie more miles, and you know, when it comes to the um, enduros, those two will be quite a good pairing. You know, both fast young kids, and probably willing to risk a lot more than most people out there. So, yep, that'll be one to watch. Well, speaking of Super Two, you had um, Anton Di Pasquale in your car recently, so yeah, I did. Yeah, what Anton did you make of awesome. his efforts? Are you uh? Concerned that you know he could be someone taking your seat in the future, or you know, is he still oh. kind of uh, learning? Mate, you're lucky. You know, he's a very, very, very fast, young, capable kid. Um, you know, he jumped in the car and was pretty much on the money straight away. And then I thought maybe my car's too easy to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I've made it too nice uh, and too comfortable. So generally, most people have driven it. You know, this year Luke included, and him have been quite on the money so um you know it goes to show where we are with our car and and all that stuff but him himself he's never been at Winton before in a V8 supercar and you know he adapted very well to the day didn't run off um didn't make any mistakes got fast as the day went on and he was he was really good Good brake traces you know very smooth and that's what you're kind of looking for for a young driver excellent and then you can mold into something very very fast and yeah, man, he was good. So will you guys now keep an eye on him, I guess, as he progresses throughout the category with an eye to potentially, like, maybe an enduro gig in the next couple of years? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely on the cards. Cool. If no one else um, gets him before we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the tough thing about motorsport. Everyone can see how everyone else is going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tough thing about any sport, you always, when you put your hand up, it tells you where you're going true. or how you're going. Uh, we'll just bring this back to the tyres because that was it was it was quite a few tyre incidents over the course of the weekend. Absolutely none in Super Two, and quite a few with the 2017 spec of tyre in the main series. One of which, of course, was unfortunately yours, Dave. Yeah, I know, but that was that was my fault. I'll put my hand up and say I stuffed up there. I was going to say I had a quick chat to. Kev, Kevin Fitzsimmons from Fitzsimmons? Fitzsimmons. Yeah. I always struggle with that. Um, Fitzsimmons. Does he talk about a couple of rocks? <laughs> <laughs> he always brings out these rocks from the, the top drawer of his toolbox saying, this is what everyone's running over to cut the ties. <laughs> <laughs> he did not. He did not. I'm disappointed about that now. God damn it. But I went oh, and had really? a chat to Kev after, after Sunday, and this is what he had to say about the dramas over the weekend. We've had a good look. Looks like um, as cars have come back on the track after having dropped over the back edge of the kerb, it's knocked the tyres off the bead, um, which lets all the air out. You know, so it's just unfortunate that when they get like that and they're running so hot, they uh, can quite easily tear apart. So the drivers were actually pretty well aware of it because they're all on the radio just saying, "Oh, you know, the the kerb at uh, turn 11." So coming onto the, the start finish straight and everything was really really bad. The hole at the end of it where the cars kept dropping off the edge, so they were noticeably trying to steer away from that towards the end of the race and didn't have another problem. So is that roughly the same as what Dale had with his, I guess? Honestly, I don't know about Dale. He reckons he didn't drop anything off or anything went bad for him. But mine was definitely, definitely that. Okay. 
that was all my fault, my own incident. I caused it. Cause it wasn't camber or toe or pressure. Rick was Kelly was... Um, I had a chat to Rick Kelly as well, and he was a bit more pointed in terms of what his opinion of what caused his rather spectacular failure on the Sunday. Yep. Yeah, I've got a fair idea what the cause com- has been. It's been a, we've, we've had tyre failures since Clipsal this year, and we're on the same tyre. Simple. Yeah, I mean, it's just frustrating because in order to fix a problem, first you have to admit one, and it's always just been an aggressive setup or debris on the track is, is the, you know, the, the cause is, is what you get told. So it's frustrating from that point of view because we never had um, these issues on the old tyre when we had much more aggressive cambers and aggressive, much more aggressive setups on them. So, yeah, it's a bummer. It catches some people out, and today it caught us. Yeah, he was not a happy bunny on um, Sunday. Actually, I have to thank no, Rick because... happy. <laughs> no, no. I, I was re- he, he had a face of stone when I walked in the garage. I thought, oh, I don't know where he's going to talk, but he was very yeah. kind and, and did share his thoughts. It's tough for those guys because, yeah, he was on for a, probably a top 10, and you'd argue Todd was the day before, and, yeah, more punctures. It's, it's really the story of their season, isn't it, though? Like, they've kind of had those issues early in the year, and they've kind of chased that problem, and in doing that, they've, they've lost that pace that we saw from Rick in particular at Adelaide. So um, it, it, it's quite sad to see how they've kind of um, had their performance curtailed by that. And it's probably hampering um, Simona's development too a bit because she's, you know, trying to learn all the new tracks and the cars and the category. And all of a sudden, the team's got to focus on other things. And, and I feel quite oh, bad well. for Rick. Well, I, I feel bad for Rick because he's a former champion. And, mm. you know, in theory, he should be good enough to still fight for wins and fight at the front of the field. And, and these Absolutely. guys went out and got this, this and deal because that's the they saw as their opportunity to kind of finally get ahead. It had to be something, you know, drastic like that. And now, yeah, something like, the, the you know, a $300 Dunlop tyre is, is causing them problems and they don't seem to understand it. And it's, it's happening across the mm. board, but it seems to be predominantly them. Mm. It's funny you mention all this stuff because at the start of the race, my engineer walked up and down the grid and, and tries to predict who's going to have tyre failures based on the amount of camber. And most <laughs> of the time he's right. He's a clever boy, he goes, He's f***ing that guy. I rate him. <laughs> well, so he just and has a, a quick glance at what they're yeah, running. Yeah, he has a quick glance and then, you know, looks at... You know, you can, the tyres are pretty exposed and you can see how much they're leaned over and he goes, oh, they'll probably fail a tyre and they watch out for him and whatnot. And most of the time he's, he's pretty much on point. Well, it seemed to be like the category and um, Dunlop, you know, explained that when the new tyre came out, you have to kind of, you know, run you know, extreme camber figures and and low pressures to get the speed. That was no secret, but... Everyone knows that, yeah. Yeah, and it was also done at the cost of reliability. So is it still teams, you think, kind of um, pushing the limits too much, or are there these anomalies? Uh, Well, like, I suppose generally the more camber you get, the less pressure you get, or the the less pressure you run, the more speed you get, the more longevity you get, but... Um, well, it's a sort of double-edged sword. The less less pressure you have, the longer it lasts. But the more camera you, you have, the quicker it wears out. So, it's a very, very, very fine balance to get it right. And it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And I suppose we've got, I suppose, a few rules in our team that we don't run a certain, we don't run over a certain uh, degree because it's you know been known to fail. And you don't want to fail tyres because then you can't can't finish the race. So. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, I don't know. You've got to talk to an engineer about that. 
they're a lot smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, the philosophy's but, obviously worked for you guys this year because, as you said, you've only had one puncture and it was your fault. Yeah, it was my fault completely. Yeah, most, yeah that was 100% my fault. I'll take the rap for that, which most of the time it isn't. We're just driving around, and it's funny. If you blow a tyre as a driver, you're cruising around maximising the car, and then all of a sudden your lock light's on and you can't get it off, and you're like, what's going on? Oh, my tyre's flat. Oh, no. Well, no and you're like, how'd that happen? And then you try and think back, and like, I haven't run off, I haven't really done anything, I haven't slipped the tyre that much, I haven't had a lock-up, oh, it must be setup related then. So then, unless there's an actual drama within the tyre manufacturing itself, but, you know, rarely does that happen. And full credit to Dunlop on that front. How hard is it to, on the, when you're limping the, the blown tyre back to not go that little bit too quick and um, ruin it further? Uh, well, it's already it's already toast, so you got to get back to pit lane as quick as you can. If I wasted another second or second and a half trying to get back to pit lane, I would have gone down a lap, and it would made made my race extremely hard. I guess it's fine so balance. You got, you got to get back as quick as you can, only on three wheels, which sucks. No. It doesn't turn one way very well. Um, yeah, he's got he's got to make it back to pit lane. Even if I blow a tire out on the road, like. You know, my normal road car, I somehow always manage to get it back to my house. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what's ingrained in me. What about the pushy? Uh, yeah, no, not more pushed bike, no. Right. It's a fair call. It's a fair I'll call. I'll get a taxi. <laughs> One day, I actually rode my, my bike out to Frankston by myself. It was like 6 o'clock in the morning. Got out to Frankston. It's like 100 k's away or something. 60, maybe. About 80 k's away. Blown tyre. $110 cab ride home. Saturday morning. Beautiful. Serve you right for trying to be fit. I oh, know. Doesn't fix understeer. <laughs> I fixed no 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 understeer on that ride whatsoever. <laughs> um probably worthwhile wrapping up the championship points, I guess, at the moment. We've still got Scott McLaughlin leading the championship by twelve points, a very small margin now over very Jamie Wincup. Yeah. He that came... was almost hundred and fifty, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was quite sizable. Of course, the um, the penalties he incurred over the course of Saturday's adventures ate into that, but arguably would he have been back where he was had he been able to get the car off the line? Well, that seems to be something he struggled with. Like, I went back through the numbers, and for the last four races that he started on pole, he hasn't arrived at turn one first. Really? Yeah. Um, in particular, on the Sunday, he lost five. I think he dropped from first to fifth. And after Sunday, I had a quick chat to Scott and asked him if he like asked him what was going on. Genuinely can't put down anything. Honestly, I'm I'm just yeah. I don't need to work on it myself. Look at it. There's a few little things, but um yeah, we're we're gonna have to have a big think about it uh, the next few, next month. You know, I won't be starting as much in the enduros as I am normally. But at the end of the day, it's. Uh, you know, it's important to get on top of things. We've worked on car speed. We've got that. You know, basically, the, 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 our biggest weakness is the start, so we're going to have to sort that out. Bro, talk to me. I'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> What's, what is your advice to Scott McLaughlin? Well, I don't want to tell him, because then if I ever have to line up against him, I want to beat him. <laughs> well, tell but us like instead. We oh, won't tell him, we know, promise. There's, there's, a, there's a mechanical aspect to it. There's a, you know, just a warming procedure to it. There's, you know, many different things, but... Generally, just comes down to the driver and their, I suppose, their clutch feel and their throttle feel and you know, how it is. And when you qualify on the front row, it's actually harder to get a, a good start than it is when you qualify on the back row because you sit there for a bit. You know, you, you bleed some temperature out. Everything starts to cool off, or you know, overheat depends on where you are. And 
Yeah, it's harder to get a uh, it's harder to get a blind off the front row than it is off the back row. It's true. That's a good point because there have been a few races this year I've noticed. I don't know whether SMP whether this happened at SMP, but Scott was on the grid quite quickly and it took ages for the field to form up. Yeah, it was a particularly yeah, low that's grid. Me. I always hold everyone up <laughs> <laughs> on the warm up lap. <laughs> well, it works though. Like if if you ca- that means you wait. Like, based on what you just said, means that's less time you're sitting there, your car cooling down, your pressure's dropping, and this, that, and the other. Exactly. That's why I bank, bank, bank everyone up at the start, let all the people in front of me go. Well, I think... But most know, of the time I catch them anyway, so... If you look at Scott's weekend, though, in, in isolation and where it sits in the championship, um, he kind of did a pretty good job of kind of minimising that effect. You know, Saturday aside... You know, who knew that Jamie was going to be able to still finish on the podium with that car? That was, mm. you know, an impressive thing. But on Sunday, he, you know, didn't have the outright pace, but still finished fourth. And everyone mm. says you're going to have your bad weekend throughout the championship. Well, a weekend's two races. He had one bad race on Saturday. He had a bad race at Adelaide on the Saturday, um, on the Saturday too. So all of a sudden, there's two poor results. You know, he's still leading the championship going into the right time of the year. I I thought it was, you know... A, a fair effort to kind of, um, as I said, mitigate that kind of impact it could have had on him. Indeed. And I guess it's... Yeah. But I, I love a sport where, you know, he got a penalty, what was it, 15 seconds on on Saturday. And then, and then it was added a few more. Someone must have turned up to the adjudications office and said, I don't think that penalty was big enough, and then he ended up with a bigger penalty. Well, I, felt, I felt for Shane in that instance a bit there, because he also got sent to the back of the field for the incident. Um, yep. you know, no, 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 that was that was from the restart. He got a 33-second penalty for yeah. breaking. That was his fault, definitely. But the two incidents were both given Sorry, the same yeah. penalty, essentially. But given there were two incidents, Shane was already at the back of the field. You know, he was There's a cause and effect, I guess, in that. And he um, got a little bit dudded, I think, by that penalty system, given he was given the same penalty as McLaughlin. But, but you look at you it, know, though, like, a minute not- down... Had he not been a lot, had he not overlapped McLaughlin, bumped doors with him on the run down to turn one, would that incident have happened? Yeah, you could argue well, that. No, but he he broke exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. He um he sort of half caught that turn two incident because he shouldn't have been in front of him in the first place because he he overlapped before the green flag was shown, and that's why he got the penalty. But shouldn't that have restarted then, at turn one when McLaughlin went ahead? Sorry, you know. You mentioned that he kind of caused that a bit, but you know, by turn one, McLaughlin was ahead. Oh, sorry, um, well, Shane was ahead, no, rather. No, old mate was on the inside. Yeah. And yeah, Scott had to go around the outside and lose the position, and then all it all unfolded because you know, he shouldn't have been there, really. So you were kind of happy with those two penalties then? Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. It should, should be a drive through penalty either way. So, and what what did they get? Thirty three seconds either side. So, yeah. so uh, I agree, yeah. I'm I'm the same. I agree with I'm a, I agree with the penalties as they ended up. What I don't agree with is that they the stewards said or race control said halfway through Saturday's race. Okay, we're going to investigate this incident after the race. And they and gave then, a penalty. Then they gave yeah. a penalty halfway through the race. Like you. And then, then they gave him another one at the end because the first one wasn't big enough. Because they went and did their post-race investigation and they found something and thought, oh, okay, this isn't careless driving, this is reckless driving. Here's the rest of your penalty. So, yeah, I'd, exactly. If, if, I'd, 
I agree with the idea of having post-race investigation. That I just think they should have just done that and not done anything else and just let the race finish as it was. But it then you run the risk of having guys on the podium that potentially shouldn't be there, you know, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah you that's, can that's the other thing. That's why they had given him an in-race penalty so that gets the person off the podium, so... I'd argue it looked worse. Like, it looks worse on the sport to hand two penalties out for the, essentially this, over the same incident. No, separate incidents. With with McLaughlin? Yeah, McLaughlin got one. Oh, I'd say two penalties for the one incident. Yeah, oh, yeah. McLaughlin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good times. Great classic hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing to add to the SMP controversial punting highlight reel. Some, some, something that means we don't have to talk about Scaife and Ingle again next year. We can, we can harp on about this. <laughs> well, let, let's see where it sits yeah, at the end of the year, too. they didn't get out their cars and try and, like, uh, Scaife didn't try and take on a 1,300-kilo a car. That's true. Mm. Like Chuck Norris. <laughs> and Scott did march down pit lane to, uh, to apologise immediately after. I don't know. Would you have done that? Me? Yeah. I would have got my shotgun. <laughs> or your big chain. <laughs> or big chain. Or uh, something. <laughs> well, what's your verdict on that kind of stuff? You know, a lot of drivers say it's important that other guys kind of own up. But if you're wrong, you're still wrong, aren't you? Yeah, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You go and, you go and admit it and you say, I'm sorry, man, I didn't mean to have you off or I didn't see you there or, you know, I misjudged it. It's just, we're always going to crash into each other at some point in this sport. Um, it's, I suppose if, it, if you do it intentionally, you're probably a dickhead. Um, if you do it unintentionally, you, you go say sorry. It's just part of the parcel, I think. Indeed. Uh, talking about the guy who, I guess, ended the weekend with the keeper to silverware, Jamie Wincup. 106 wins he has now oh, for his career. How rude. That's, he's he's taken them all away. Way. He's got everything, that guy. Well, that's, that's everything. Well, it's true. He's got he's got the record for most championships now. He's got the record for most pole positions. He's got the record for most wins. But yeah. it just seems like he still doesn't get the respect that someone who who has achieved as much as he's achieved in sport deserves from the fans. Well, I, I think that's one hundred percent true. Or from the sport. Well, a little bit of both. Yeah. Because given he yeah. did just break true. a record, you know, there was no nothing amazing done for it. You know, it was a Sunday afternoon at Eastern mm-hmm. Creek and. You know, they acknowledge it, but they didn't actually yeah, do yeah. anything significant. And, mm. you know, by the time the next race rolls around, that's three weeks later, so there's no need to celebrate a previous race at that time. So I get that he's competing, no, and it's hard to, but this is a massive achievement. Um, you know, you, you hear of guys that go their entire career just to get one, and we laud them yeah. like it's, you know, such a great thing. But he's got 106 of them now. Mm. And I oh, know. It's crazy, isn't it? It, it seems... And they made a big song and dance about Lounge of 100, but I don't even remember Jamie getting... I think... Yeah, well, Lance was the first you know 100, I mean? I'm yeah. pretty sure. But, like, I think the they did for Jamie. Yeah. He got a gold helmet, I think. Lance definitely got a gold helmet. <laughs> yeah, I think they may have got that. Yeah, I was out <laughs> of the country for SMP last year, so I didn't actually witness any, any th- the fanfare or no fanfare that may have gone on. But I have a feeling Jamie got a golden helmet as well. But still, like, to break the record, you'd expect a little bit more there. Um, again, it's unlikely to be... Uh, to be beaten anytime soon. I think the only person that can really do it is Lowndes, but, you know, he hasn't won for over a year. He hasn't been on a podium for, for over a year now as well. Um, really? And then it's daylight to the to the next people, so... But then I guess I that know. sort of highlights 
Like, if they had have had a big fanfare for Jamie and then Lowndes goes out for argument's sake and wins Sandown and Bathurst... Well, let's keep celebrating. Takes, <laughs> yeah. Let's keep going. Party like it's yeah, Every week's a record break. A yeah. week, you know. So many wins. If I could have quarter of that, I'd be stoked. You got three? Three, I know. That's all Arguably, right. Arguably, I've had more, but they've never... Well, I won that race in Darwin that was a half race, so I got three and a half. Oh, yep. That's three and a half I've more a than either of us have. It's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get to that one day. One day. But, like, interesting enough, he's only done it with... He's, he's achieved all that with one team. So where do you think that kind of puts it in perspective? You know, does that make it a bigger thing for the team, or is that a, a greater achievement because he hasn't... You know, well, had to go anywhere else. It's a combination, else. really. It's definitely a combination. You got to have the good team and the good driver. But if he if he really wants him to cement himself as the greatest of all time, he has to join LDM, and he has to do the same. <laughs> wow, that's a fair benchmark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm so joking. <laughs> well, I guess that's the thing, though. Like everyone said, a lot a lot of people you hear people saying this in Formula about Formula One drivers and. This, that, and the other. Oh, they're winning because of their team. They're winning because of their car. If they, they should just move to another team to prove the point that they're the best. But why would you? Why would you give up the best car in the field or the best combination or what is clearly a good thing? Drivers just, aren't stupid. Yeah. They would not do that in yeah. a million years. Exactly. Exactly. No chance. Well, anyway, gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this week's episode. Cheers, Dave. All right, thanks for having me. Hope we talk enough rubbish. We always talk enough rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> There's enough rubbish, yeah. <laughs> Definitely enough rubbish. And thank you very much, Lewis. Cheers, boys. So we've had a mid-race driver change on the podcast, so welcoming into the studio now, AJ Hawkins from Fox Motorsport. Hello, Will. How are you? I'm good, It's thanks. good to be back. <laughs> Sounding like you're firing on all cylinders. I'm firing on about four. <laughs> And also joining us is Garth Tander from Wilson Security, Gary Rogers Motorsport. Hello, podcast people. (laughs) (laughs) Out there in podcast land. Our lovely listeners who listen to us on Spotify and Android and iTunes and also through our website. So thank you very much to everyone. Now, Garth, you had a pretty solid weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, Yeah, in the end, um, we scratched out a ninth and 11th, I think it was. Um, but certainly struggled for car pace. Um, couldn't get the couldn't get the tyre to work with the with the road surface. Um, the Eastern Creek, or I still call it Eastern Creek. It's, Doesn't it, everyone? Yeah, yeah pretty well, much all of us do. They're trying to call it SMP or Sydney Motorsport Park, but let's be honest, it's Eastern Creek. Um, <laughs> we struggled with the surface there. It's the, the surface is so low grip, and a lot of the surface there is still original spec 1990 tarmac. So um, getting the tyre to hook into that low grip we really struggled with um, qualifying and race um, so qualifying was bad we were 18th and 21st in the two races and got ourselves when it went forward in both races as we tend to do um, over the course of the year but um, yeah it was a struggle so what what's your main Achilles heel with qualifying uh, the problem is we, we, we're not extracting um, look our, our weakness in qualifying becomes our strength in the race because um, in the races we've had We've got pretty good tyre life, like actually really good tyre life, um, and our relative speed to the lead is actually quite strong. But um, we feel that our, that strength is we don't use the tyre a lot in the races, but then that becomes our weakness in qualifying because like at Eastern Creek on the weekend, it was very much a one-lap tyre. Actually, the tyre wasn't even really lasting a full lap in qualifying, and um, we're not extracting enough out of it. We don't get enough grip, 
in qualifying. Um, the car balance isn't really that bad. You know, often Moff and I have both come back after qualifying and, you know, you're seven, eight tenths off the pace and you go, well, it's not that diabolical. It's just we need to go around the corners a little bit quicker and we just don't have that sort of grip. So we're not extracting the most out of the tyre when it's brand new, um, which is our weakness in qualifying, which the results will show. But that then becomes a, a strength in the race because we've got great tyre life and, and, um, and we always go forwards in the races. So if we can unlock what that, that little key area is to make the tyre work in qualifying, um, we can have the best of both worlds because then we can turn it back for the race and, and, and have good tyre life. But the problem with that is it's not something you can go and test because we don't get a thousand new sets of new tyres in testing. Actually, you don't get any new tyres in testing. So we can't replicate the situ- situation we have in testing so that we can try and test to fix it. So um, it's just trial and error at race meetings at the moment. I heard a few guys say that they kept their new set on Friday instead of running it because of what the conditions were like. Did mm. you guys, were you guys able to do that as well? No, we ended up running um, a set on Friday. Um, we've done that a couple of times this year, but we ended up running a set because um, the problem at, at Eastern Creek is the tyre deck's so high that by the time you get to the end of the practice session, you're not really learning anything on an old set of tyres. So you need to almost... Um, you know, uh, reevaluate the car on a new tyre for Friday. So you've got some meaningful data Friday night before you start tuning the car again for Saturday. So we used a set. They did exactly 3.93 kilometres, um, and then we put them straight back in the in the in the cupboard, and uh, they'll come out again later. It must be good for you to, even though you qualify badly, to know that you can actually move forward significantly in the race. Oh, look, yes, we we we've done that um, on occasion this year, and, and it's it's a mixture of generally getting pretty good starts and good first laps, um, good pit strategy, good pit stops, uh, and then, like I said earlier, good tyre life so that we can pick a few off at the end. So, um, you know, there's there's often, um, we saw at Sydney, there was, a, there was a few calamities on Saturday and we managed to, to, to dodge those and we got lucky and made some spots there. Um, and then on Sunday, we just grounded out. We made up 10 spots by just literally strategy and passing cars. And look, that's enjoyable. I, I do enjoy it, but I enjoy qualifying up the front more. Um, so hopefully we can start doing that soon. Is it a frustration of yours, your qualifying pace? Or are you like, no, it's okay because my race pace is fine? No, it's frustrating because, look, anything, it's like anything. It's easier when you start close to the front. And, you know, I think a lot of people sort of said, oh, Garth, it's forgotten how to qualify, blah, blah, blah. But we were on pole last year at Homebush at the end of the year, let's be honest. And we've been inside the 10 a couple of times. So, um, you know, that's, um, you know, I'm still reasonably comfortable with my driving as in qualifying. Um, we just, you know, as a team and, you know, me as a driver and, and with Krusty as an engineer and the rest of the group, we need, we're working towards making the car more competitive, in in, the, in qualifying so that, you know, when we do go forward, we're going forward from, you know, eighth to the lead or, you know, we can, it's easier to, to fight on, you know, just get up to the back of the Penske guys and the Triple Eight guys and give them a hard time. Just coming back to tyres, you're off, I believe, to do the tyre testing with Dunlop mm-hmm. on the revised 2017 tyres. Are you happy to always get involved in that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, um, you know, it doesn't come along all that often. Um and it's you know obviously there's there's an issue currently with the tire and um, you know I think we were probably chosen because we went through the two races at Phillip Island and didn't explode a tire so um, so certainly something that we do works down there uh, Scotty McLaughlin will be there um, with Ludo his engineer and then Michael Caruso and the Nissan guys will be there with myself and Krusty engineering my car so you know you know, clearly the Penske cars were easily the fastest car at uh, at Phillip Island. The Nissans look like they probably struggled the most with tyres 
um, with failures with tyres at Phillip Island, and then we were the other end where we probably didn't have the speed, but we didn't really explode any tyres at all. So um, the the category's done a pretty good job of of casting a wide net of the way different teams use the tyres differently. Um, and yeah, we I think we're running this current tyre, last year's tyre, and then some development tyres as well. So um, certainly there's there's an issue with the tyre at the moment that we need to rectify. And um, you know Dunlop have done the right thing by going to the right place and doing doing some testing. Is the reason why you didn't blow tyres at Phillip Island because you didn't have such an aggressive camber set up? Or was it just one of those things? Oh, you know, hindsight is a, is a pretty powerful tool and you can look back and say we probably, relative to the opposition and what we know now about the tyre at that stage of the year, we probably didn't have enough camber on the car for, for outright lap speed. But then, um, you know, Chaz Mostert's engineer, Adam Debore, he actually engineered me for a GT race at Phillip Island a couple of months ago and he's... He, he sort of, I noticed that his car, Chaz's car, when he won on Sunday, had no camber on it, like none. And um, I asked Adam that, and he goes, yeah, yeah, we didn't have much at all, and they made it work. So, uh, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk at the moment about camber and aggressive camber setups and all the rest of it, but we've seen a lot of tyre phase this year with um, not related to camber at all. Um, just just seemed to be quite random. So, um, you know, hopefully Dunlop can get on top of that and... Um, everyone can get on harmoniously as per before. I was going to say, because your QR tyre failure, that wasn't a camber issue, was it? No, well, we don't believe so. Um, we were told it was debris, but um, the only debris that was out there was other Dunlop rubber on the racetrack. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's a whole chicken and egg thing there. And look, the hardest thing is, for the Dunlop engineers, is that they, you know, by the tyre, the tyre, by the time the t- exploded tyre gets back to the pits, it's stuffed. Mm. You know, it's either fully exploded by drivers trying to get back to the pits quickly, or it explodes instantaneously, and the, and obviously you can't forensically investigate the tyre. So, um, so it's hard for the it's hard for Dunlop, um, it's hard for the teams because obviously um, aggressive setups equals speed, and and it's super competitive, and everyone wants to race right on the limit. And and as a driver, you have to drive the car in a particular way to make the tyre live as well. So. You know, it's 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 not one particular party. It's not one particular team. It's not Dunlop in isolation. It's it's a combination of all things. Um, that this year it's just exposed a weakness in the tyre, and um, hopefully we can fix it. Now you were one of the biggest off-season signings for GRM in the driver market. You know, one of the, one of the biggest moves. Are you happier at GRM than you were at, at Walkinshaw, or is it? You know, much of a muchness. No, look, I'm I'm really enjoying my time at GRM. Um, it's uh, it's a very different organisation to where I had been previously. Um, it's um, you know we don't have the resources that that other organisations in pit lane do have, um, but I feel like we do a pretty good job of with what we have. Um, the people in, in the team are, are fantastic. The culture within the business is very very good. Um, you know, I'm you know the sponsor group. It's a great sponsor group. You know, there's still people at Valvoline that were there when I was, you know, with the team 13 years ago. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's it's a really good fit. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, look, um, that's not to say I didn't enjoy my time at HRT. Maybe the last three or four months weren't the most pleasant part of my life that while I was there. But um, but certainly, um, you know, I'm really enjoying going racing at the moment. So next round coming up is Enduro Cup. We're that time of year where you share your race car with another driver. That driver this year will be young James Golding. How are you seeing, seeing his development over the course of this year from the inside now that you're within the team? He's, he's not doing Super 2 this year. He's only done the wildcard mm-hmm. races. 
How's he going? How's his yeah. development path? Yeah, going really well. Um, yeah, he hasn't done as many laps as he would have liked this year, that's for sure. But those wildcard events have turned out to be perfect, I think. I mean, I think he probably learnt more in doing two wildcard weekends than he would have doing a full Super 2 year again this year because he's on. he was on the Super Soft tyre. He got to experience the type of tyre degradation that he'll experience on that tyre at Sandown and Gold Coast. Um, he, he's got an understanding of the level of competition, how competitive it is in qualifying, how everyone races, pit stops, strategy, all that stuff, which you don't really get to experience too much in Super 2. So he could have done another year of Super 2 and really probably not learned a whole lot more. He probably would have felt quite stale because he'd already done a couple of years of that. So, you know, the budget wasn't there to do more racing, but certainly just doing those two events, I think, has prepared him incredibly well. He's fast. There's no, I've got no concerns about his speed at all. Um, he got a really bad rap last year at Sandown, um, you know, and there was circumstances around that that weren't totally his fault. Um, and he'll learn from that um, experience as a driver and we and the team has learned from that as well. So um, his speed, like I said, his speed's good. Um, he's ready to go. He's desperate to go racing. Uh, it's actually more about, it's, it's like having a young racehorse. You just got to <laughs> slow him down a little bit and make sure that he uses the energy right when it's time to use it. There's a lot of pit lane chatter about Golding that he could make it easily to the, to the main game next year to fill in for the main drivers and a fair few chatter about drivers that may or may not be at their teams next year do you see him as a main game driver next year is he ready is he would you be happy for him to slot in at, at one of the teams oh look I think he's ready it's just whether there's the opportunity available in the at, you know in the grid I mean it's there's, there's no getting away from that there's plenty of guys around at the moment that are trying to get in um, and there's only so many so many spots to be filled so um, I think he's ready um, but it's just a matter of whether an opportunity presents itself for, for him to fill that spot. So coming up after Sandown of course is the big prize beyond the championship of course mm. in the championship Bathurst 1000. As you touched on Young Bieber has experience of the soft tyre, the soft tyre that we'll use at Sandown and Gold Coast. But for Bathurst, we're going back to the 2016 tyre. And with everything you've said about all the, what the teams had to learn this year with its new car, new aero package and the new tyre, what then does that do having last year's tyre then thrown into that equation? Well, it's like a new tyre again for us because although you're running on last year's hard tyre, we didn't, as a team, well, the team didn't run Commodores on that hard tyre with this aero. So... It's another. It's an effectively another new tyre. I mean, certainly um, we've been running the Super Two cars this year on that tyre in at GRM, so we've got a bit of an understanding with that. Um, but Bathurst is such a different place. Uh, the, you know, the the circuit characteristic um, is incredibly different to anywhere else that you go. That that drives the setup more than anything else. Um, and the surface is pretty good there. It's pretty good grip. Um, so look, uh, look, uh, Bathurst is unique in so many different ways that. The tyre just needs to... We just need a good, solid, safe tyre that's not going to have any of the dramas that we saw at Phillip Island. And I think it's a smart move by Dunlop to go to, to back to that tyre. And not only Bathurst, but also Pookie as well. But, um, but yeah, look, for us, there's going to be a degree of, of learning with the Commodore Aero and Commodore setup with last year's tyre. I mean, obviously, everyone else can just wheel out last year's setup and away they go. Whereas um, for us, we've probably got to do a bit, of, a bit more work to get, to get to where we want to be in the sweet spot setup-wise. It must be encouraging coming up to enduro season because they are long races. And with your race pace, you must be like, well, we may not qualify around, you know, in the top 10, but we're, we're a shot 
at the end of the race to be top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, look, absolutely. I mean, um, it doesn't matter if it's a 120-kilometre race on a Saturday afternoon or a 1,000-kilometre race at Mount Panorama on Sunday. The f- closer to the front you start, the easier it is. Um, and it's particularly Bathurst, it's important to be up the front early because it's just so much nicer on the car, a lot less hot air going through the brakes and the engine in the early part of the race. So, um, so look, we want to, and also you, you want to be in the shootout. That's shootouts, one of the Bathurst shootouts, one of the best race uh, laps you'll do all year. So, um, we want to be part of that. Um, so, we're, look, we've got another test before Sandown. We'll be working, obviously, working on a lot of stuff, but part of that will be qualifying speed um, and understanding what we need to do qualifying wise. And look, we've had, we've had some really bad qualifyings. I mean, this year we've been in the 20s a couple of times, but we've been in the 10 plenty of times as well. So, um, so, you know, it's just making sure we, we get it right on the day. Are you looking forward to retro round at Sandown? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's actually, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, I think um, it's difficult for the teams commercially because a lot of the sponsors that you'd like to, ha- that you've got on the car at the moment weren't part of the organisation 20 years ago or whenever it is that you're trying to rep- recreate with a retro look and feel. So commercially, you've got to make sure that all your current partners that are paying the bills are, are happy with what you're doing. Um, but I think the concept is pretty cool. Um, it teaches a lot of people about the sports heritage that might not understand a lot about what was the teams were ten, some you know, twenty years ago. Some people don't even you know, new to the sport, don't even know what the teams were like ten years ago, sort of thing. So I think it's a cool thing. Um, you know, there's there's always seems to be quite a bit of interest around the liveries of the cars for whatever reason i'm not sure why it's only stickers but um but yeah look i think it creates some creates some talking points which is always the sport always needs so no hints as to whether we'll be seeing you guys roll something out at sandown i think we'll roll something out but um, i'm not going to tell you what it is (laughs) and on that note thank you very much garth tander for joining us this week cool no worries guys cheers and thanks for coming down aj no worries thank you all for listening and we will see you after sandown